Hey, kid. You want to watch Day of the Dead? Sure. Is it appropriate? Oh, hell no. Good. Welcome to the Corrupted Youth Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Brennan. And today we're here to just kind of get things rolling. Mm-hmm. This is uh, an idea that uh, we've had knocking around for probably, what would you say, five years now? Yeah. You're 13 now. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to when you were eight. Yeah. So the, the whole premise is about what is a younger person's perspective sometimes on older movies newer movies tv shows whatever whatever we decide to do Mm -hmm. we're just going to talk about some stuff and hopefully people will be entertained hopefully (laughs) it kind of comes down to one story of when brennan was younger Mm -hmm. and we went to the movie store And you were just hell-bent on renting the original King Kong. Yeah. Because... It's a good movie. Yeah. And at the time, uh, you know, the the Peter Jackson one was out, and did you see it at the time? I think I might have, and that's what got me interested in the original. Okay. Okay. So we're at the video store, mm-hmm. and he had already seen the original King Kong at this point yeah. and wanted to see it again. And we take the movie up to the counter, and the woman there asked me politely, she goes, are you sure this is the one he wants? Because this is the old one. <laughs> and I just looked at her, and I just had the, yes, this is the one he wants. I've basically been uh, introducing Brennan to a lot of different movies that I grew up with over time, and we've also spent a lot of time watching even more modern movies together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of like movie buddies. Uh, my wife doesn't really have a whole any interest in movies, really. Yeah. She kind of thinks it's a waste of time. She can watch some TV shows, but man, if anything's a little scary, she's out. Doctor Who she can handle sometimes. Barely. But this isn't about her. Yeah. This is about us. Um, a little background on me. When I was growing up, there really wasn't any um, and there wasn't any restrictions on to what I could actually watch growing up. Um, rated R movies were totally fine. The only thing was if there was any type of nudity or sexual content I just had to close my eyes, possibly plug my ears if it was a little more intense. But as far as graphic violence goes and scary situations, fair game. Robocop, you're watching that dude melt. <laughs> we'll get to that one later. Yeah. 
Um, I watched a lot of movies that I probably should have never seen at a very young age, and... He turned out fine. Yeah, relatively fine, I think. Mostly stable. (laughs) Mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With being a father to Brennan, I've really, uh... He's got a lot more restrictions than I had as a kid, but at the same time, uh... I've taken a lot of what I could handle as a kid and introduced him to a lot of things at about the same age or a little earlier, um, sometimes a lot later, just because some things are super intense. Um, He still hasn't seen The Shining. I saw that when I was five. So (laughs) that'll mess a kid up. Yeah, I still want to see it, though, just because it's one of my favorite directors. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that quick? Oh, uh, one of my favorite movies is 2001 A Space Odyssey. I went, well, I'm still going through a stage. I just love space. And I had always heard about this movie, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I remember thinking when I was younger, like, oh, that's a cheesy name. 2001, there weren't, there wasn't a base on the moon. But I decided to watch it with one of my friends one night when I was sleeping over at his house. And we were just in awe of how good that movie was shot, directed, acted even. And it was kind of funny because we had to look up immediately after the ending. We went on Google and searched what is the meaning of 2001 A Space Odyssey? Like, what's up with the ending? And, uh, because we just didn't understand, but now that I'm older, I've come to love that movie. As much as I could appreciate it for its visuals and everything, I found it boring. I couldn't handle it. Um, I haven't really spent a lot of time revisiting that one as an adult, even. I watch it at least twice a year now. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's a little bit about us. Um, So the movie that we have viewed and selected to review and kind of go over. Oh, and by the way, this is going to be very spoiler heavy. We're not really going to hold back, except in maybe certain situations where it totally could ruin the experience for you but um a lot of the times some of these movies are going to be around for a while so if you haven't seen them it's eh. on you (laughs) it's on you okay so the movie that we selected um not so much we but brennan Mm -hmm. i gave him free reign to discuss a movie that we both have already seen previously Mm -hmm. you saw it once before i i only saw like the um later half of it but i still liked it okay from what i saw um do you remember about how old you were at that time that was only like a year ago actually okay yeah what was i just like working down here yeah. on the comic or something mm-hmm. yeah okay. know, but still <laughs> yeah so we have 1985's day of the dead uh this is a movie that i didn't even see until uh probably seven years after it came out so it was like 1992 uh, it, i oddly enough with all the the video stores that were available when i was younger uh this is one that just never really showed up anywhere so it was almost like a weird holy grail in the area that i lived in because 
just couldn't find it anywhere. It just wasn't available. So we ended up finding it when I was uh, early on in high school, and we found it at a grocery store back when you could rent movies from grocery stores all <laughs> the time. So they had it there, and one of the nice things about it was, I think, uh, just the mystique of this movie, trying to find it all this time, and we finally found it, and it was just a really beat-up, bad copy. It, it looked terrible, uh, probably held together with scotch tape in some places. <laughs> <laughs> There's a nail through one corner of it. Yeah, they just nailed that. They just nailed it together. Uh, yeah, so I think that probably helped some of it. You know, you're watching it and maybe a 27-inch square TV at the time, <laughs> you know, on a crappy copy that's been viewed a thousand and however many times. It just, you know, the graininess of it and everything being played on a VCR made it a lot more visceral. Yeah. And that can be said about a lot of movies, though, that I experienced growing up. Yeah, but when you plug into Atari to a 56-inch TV, it really improves the graphics. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Those pixels are so big. It just looks like, like when you're when you're playing Hoth, that looks like you're honestly fighting camels. It looks so great. Oh, on the Atari version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really, he likes retro video games too. On top of it. Yeah, almost a preference to some degree, but hey. I think they just made them better back then. <laughs> anyway, back to Day of the Dead. Yeah, let's get back to Day of the Dead. So Day of the Dead, uh, 1985, like I said, uh, directed by George Romero. Yeah, great, great director. Yeah, the, and you've seen you've seen both Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. The Romero versions. Mm -hmm. Those are both really good. Well, maybe we'll get to those later also. Yeah, that's kind of weird that we're just jumping in. But this is a trilogy of movies that you don't need to see any of the previous ones to really get in on. Um, as long as you have an inkling of what zombies are, you're on board. And this one uh, takes a lot of time to explain zombies and gets a lot more deep into that, which I guess we'll get back in more into that later when we're talking more in depth into the movie. But Yeah, yeah. this one picks up. Um, the, the apocalypse has already started. It's already well underway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our movie starts off with uh, the main character Sarah, and she's in a she's in this room. It's nothing but cinder blocks. Uh, mm -hmm. There doesn't appear to be a door or anything. She's just hanging out. You can see there's a calendar on the wall. It's October on the calendar. I don't remember the exact date, yeah. but it's pretty close to Halloween. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Because there's you know the picture is like people hanging out by pumpkins, and actually the people in that picture kind of look like zombies to some degree they're like in shadow it's kind mm -hmm. of creepy yeah so sarah she gets up she walks over the calendar she's staring at the calendar for a while and then there's the, the big shock surprise of all these zombie arms come shooting out of the wall yeah it's it's a really good way to set up the seclusion and claustrophobia of the entire setting of the movie while also throwing in the scarcity of a zombie attack also. And I think it's a good way to get the viewer to go, okay, this is going to be some of the points of the movie. Yeah, but at the same time, I I mean, as much as I, I love the actress in this role, man, her reaction to those hands coming out is... <laughs> 
so over dramatic. Yeah. And just very, I don't know, theatrical. Yeah. <laughs> when Sarah awakes from this nightmare, she's hanging out in a helicopter with uh, Jamaican John, the pilot, <laughs> and also a guy who looks like uh, the evil Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Mr. Bean is uh, McDermott. Um, you can also call him Drunk Mr. Bean. <laughs> he drinks a lot this week. He has a he has a flask. Almost all the shots that you see him in, he's just always just taking a little swig uh, of that flask. And what's nice about uh, some of this is that you kind of get to know a little about the characters right away. This movie's really good with just setting up the archetypes mm-hmm. and just kind of letting you know in a quick session of like, hey, this is kind of what this guy's like. This is what she's like. Yeah, yeah. And it really just kind of plays off those themes for most of the time. Oh, yeah, and I also forgot. Um, so we have Miguel, and <laughs> he kind of looks like uh, Jason Mantzoukas. You don't know who that is. Nope. <laughs> Probably a good thing to some degree. Okay. Uh, it's, it's super funny guy. Anyways, so they land. They're at this coastal city. Um, it looks very much... Uh, it was filmed in Florida, where George Romero was living at the time. And everything looks very desolate. They get out of this helicopter. And uh, they got a mic- megaphone. And they just start calling for survivors. New megaphone, who dis? <laughs> yeah, so they're they're calling out to see if there's anybody out there. And if you know anything about zombies, all you can think of is, well, this is going to get some attention. Yeah, you know that zombies are definitely hearing of us. And even at this time in 1985, uh, I think zombies are well enough established in popular culture at least at least for me it was where you just know like well this is not gonna this isn't good yeah what are you doing yelling around for people I, I think in any apocalypse movie if one of your characters jumps out of a helicopter of all things that are is already loud enough and starts calling out on a megaphone you know something's gonna be attracted to that oh absolutely and that might have been their intention too mm-hmm. um maybe there was part of the hope that somebody else could be out there but definitely getting the attention of some zombies and they might have a better idea of about how many are there are there any around what's going to happen so as they're calling out we see certain things and uh not not very light-handedly uh there's a pile of money that's just kind of blowing around uh just to show you just how useless society is Uh, everything's broken down at this point the Heck. Starbucks is open. Everyone's there. <laughs> Nobody. They're all. They're all. They all have their headphones in, typing on the computer. Nobody notices. Brennan, this is nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, but I mean, if it was, if 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 they ever remade this, there would have to be a dead guy in in a Starbucks as a zombie, but still on his computer, <laughs> typing away. Oh, got a blog. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and at one point, there's an alligator that comes out, too. There's a spider near zombie, which I think also shows that animals and zombies are not really connected. Or, I mean, they 
they can live alongside almost without any problems with the animals. Hmm. That's kind of an interesting point that they're just kind of coexisting at this point. And... Mm-hmm. Okay. Life's just kind of going care. on. Yeah. I mean, I, the alligator wasn't eating any zombies. I mean, I wouldn't. It looks like a, like a burnt sausage walking around. <laughs> so as they're calling all these zombies, they're finally getting all the zombie attention. And a horde forms. So they decide to hightail it out of there. They're like, eh. As you do. Yeah. I mean, why not? Who? Nobody wants to get eaten. The helicopter, they come down. They're at some type of base or something. You know, there's, there's a guy growing weed. <laughs> and, you know, they, there's, there's a fence. Uh, there's a whole bunch of zombies hanging out outside. Mm-hmm. Outside of the fence. Huh? Chain link fence seems to be doing a pretty good job. If you've ever watched The Walking Dead, you know that chain link fences and a horde of zombies do not mix. You're going to have to clean that up a little bit. Yeah, and, and they discuss about how there seems to be more and more every day. Mm-hmm. And that the all the activity during the daytime is agitating them. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah warns about it. You know, she's not cool. You know, talking about, like, refueling the chopper, but do it at night. Because they don't want them getting all riled up. Because once that fence breaks down, they're in. Mm-hmm. And that can't be good. So, at this time, too, we learn that uh, Miguel is just, he's just kind of losing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just kind of breaking down mentally kind of becoming a nihilist and jamaican john he discusses about how he just wants to take the helicopter away go to some island somewhere and just kind of live mm-hmm. live out the rest of their days yep so we come to find out that where they're at is a underground military base which is actually a super cool location yeah, um, I think they did, there had, there has to have been some location filming in this movie. They did. Um, I looked into it and they did film this in um, some old mines mm. in Pennsylvania. Hey, wait, there shouldn't be any actors out there. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that it was not being used as a mine anymore and they were just uh like storing documents down there i guess it was uh really cool like 50 degrees but it the humidity was still pretty bad and because of the remoteness of the location they actually had to spend the night there oh that'd be creepy yeah it would be kind of eerie i think but it's an excellent location it looks Mm -hmm. really cool so once i get down into the underground area there's these two kind of schlubby guys also before you go on it turns out that the former general leader of the base has died and they never say how he dies so they just kind of leave it a bit vague like they find that out then so there's these two schlubby two schlubby military guys who pick up miguel and sarah and go to the tunnels where they find they have a bunch of dead that are penned up 
inside the tunnel. They mm-hmm. kind of have them corralled in this separate section, and they've built like this pen structure. Mm-hmm. Turns out the schlubby guys are not keeping good track of how many they have in there. And that can be a problem if you don't know how many you have roaming around in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just not going to be good. So they're not keeping very good track. When they're calling out to get the attention of these zombies, they're not coming out. And it's brought up like, hey, maybe they're scared. And that's your kind of your first hint that things are changing. You know, mm-hmm. the first first real hint of maybe the zombies got a little bit more going on. Maybe they're not quite as dumb as you think if they're scared of these guys. And all I got to say, though, the one schlubby guy, because uh, their names are Steel and Rickles. And Steel, he's a, he's a bigger dude. Sounds like Bender. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't watch that much Futurama, but even I was like... Is that Bender? Is that no? Is that's that... not the, that's not John DiMaggio. <laughs> I wish <laughs> that would be interesting. If they ever redo it, maybe they can get him to play the part. <laughs> what would sync up the audio for the character? <laughs> yeah, so these guys are a little bit of a throwback. Um, this Steel and Rickles, you know, they're just they're kind of being they're being like very. Uh, verbally harassing sarah being real kind of creepy and misogynistic towards her they're being rude to even the zombies or even i was like oh that that's just mean yeah they're zombies too gotta treat them with respect so they use this pen after they get some zombies in they kind of corral two of them in and they've got the the big harness like the, on the pole to wrap around their neck, pull mm-hmm. them out. And since Miguel, he's further sign, he's just kind of losing his mind. Yeah. Can't handle it. He's too stressed out. He ends up just dropping that pole. So, yeah, there's a confrontation because Miguel ends up kind of, he just kind of screws things up. And Steel does not like this. Because he's just a big throwback meathead. He dangles Miguel over the pen where his dog takes are hanging down. And there's this female zombie who's uh, trying to get at him. Mm -hmm. And not a cool situation. Not a cool thing to do in the zombie apocalypse. Especially when, you know, everybody kind of needs each other to be healthy. That's not going to help him out. Disturbing that guy anymore, not going to do anybody any good. Yeah, the, what's his name, Steel? Steel. Yeah, Steel. I just get those two mixed up. Uh, Steel's the kind of guy that you send out for supplies knowing that the place is infested with zombies. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, why do you say that? Um, Because he's just trouble. You, you want him to send him away. Maybe, I mean, you might feel a little bad for leading him to his death. And he might come back missing a hand, maybe with a sawed-off shotgun, <laughs> wanting to take back his supplies. But you'd get rid of dumb, dumb brute for a, a while. Yeah, so Steel, Steel and Rickles, too, are, you know, they're just kind of, they take a lot of pleasure. You can tell that they're really having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun with all these zabbies. 
it's like in um oh what's that movie is a diary of the dead where it, it gets a little into the whole people people it people are crazy and they would like a zombie apocalypse in a way well this is kind of a this is actually brought up in the previous movies more mm-hmm. dawn um, of the dead a lot. Dawn of the Dead more, and even the remake of Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. where they get into the whole, you know, like, people hunting zombies at the end. Yeah. Especially at Night of the Living Dead. Um, you know, it, it tends to be like, oh, it's a bunch of good old boys getting mm-hmm. out, getting ready to shoot stuff. Let's go shoot some zombies. Budweiser. Is this guy dead? Hey, that was me. <laughs> I'm not as happy. <laughs> Steel and Rickles, they shackle up the dead guy that they have. And Miguel, he just has a meltdown at this point. He's really lost it. He ends up slapping Sarah and she sedates him during a hug. And he gets, he, 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 after it happens, he kind of looks at her like, why would you do that? And he kind of sits down. He's looking at her with, like, his big eyes. And it's, like, this really, like, awkward, just staring at each other. Miguel is highly unstable. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that keeps sending out for supplies on a routine mission. Somewhere where you know is infested with zombies. Oh, yeah. Because he's just a train wreck. Ah, here we go. Um, It gets to be known that the operation that they're running has just been thrown together in a couple days. And you're kind of learning that there's a little bit of brains versus brawn Mm -hmm. going on here. Because they've got some scientists that are working... Not quite sure what they're working on yet, but I mean, clearly, um, with the zombie apocalypse, you're going to need some scientists, mm-hmm. you know, to work on some of this. So they've been down there pretty much since the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was just hastily thrown together. On so you've got a bunch of military guys, and you've got a bunch of scientists, and you lock them underground with zombies. Sarah ends up talking to uh, Captain Rhodes, who has taken over command because the previous leader has died yeah cooper's out of the picture since they left um there's not really any word on what happened to cooper he's just out of the picture Rhodes is in charge now i you can you can always tell a jerk or the bad guy in especially in these older movies by his haircut because you always you always have your hero guy. Well, I mean, not so much in this movie, but he usually has a mullet, big muscles, um, and then the bad guy usually has like this really greasy, slicked over black hair, and you you can tell, especially in this movie, when you first see him, you're like, that's the bad guy. He's gonna be a jerk the entire movie. Yeah, well, just so you know, there's a whole lot of bad hair back then. <laughs> so, um, by those standards, I think you're right to some degree. Yeah. You know, there there usually was, but I, uh, the the guy who who plays Captain Rhodes is fantastic. Yeah. 
He's a real jerk. I honestly wanted to punch him <laughs> multiple times during this movie. Yeah. So they, they get together. They're having a meeting. Uh, you got your scientists. Um, they're talking to Captain Rhodes, who lets everybody know that he's in charge now. And it's clear that they just can't get along. Yeah. So Sarah asks Rhodes to give Miguel a break because he's clearly stressed out. And it, it's posing a danger to the entire group if you have somebody under that much stress who's going to be cracking. It's a very delicate situation that they're in. It doesn't seem to be too many people down there. It's thin ice, basically. If, yeah. If you have one person fall, it usually leads to the fall of everybody. Yes. It's a, definitely a delicate situation. Rhodes just isn't listening. Um, to the comment about stress, you know. So he calls for a movie, and there's uh, Dr. Fisher. Uh, he's got a lot of concerns for Sarah, um, not just for the situation, you know, mentally, but he's says that he's physically worried about her mm-hmm. because she's the only woman and surrounded by a whole lot of isolated dudes. Mm-hmm who clearly have some pretty sketchy morals or are tipping over that edge. Yeah. Um, You know, not a good situation to be in. No. With zombies. Yes. So then we're introduced to Dr. Frankenstein, as they call him. Um, Actually, Dr. Logan. But we'll probably just end up calling him Dr. Frankenstein for the rest of this because... That's all anybody really refers to him as. Yeah. We also see Bub. Yay. More on Bub later. Yeah. He makes his brief, brief appearance. Mm-hmm. He he walks through a door and the audience cheers at him. <laughs> it's, it's like the old. Yeah. It's like. Um... Oh, the old sitcom. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. just get the audience cheering. Maybe I'll put that in. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Hello, everybody. I'm Steve Urkel. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I was not thinking of Urkel when you said that, but okay. Um, it's, even Urkel's a little bit before your time. The main thing is that it's revealed uh, with Dr. Frankenstein here. They're just trying to find out. Like He wants to know what's, what makes the dead tick. And he gets into um, a little bit of scientific explanation about how the brain's pretty much gone, except for the central core is somehow still intact and functioning, where they're just basically functioning off of pure instinct, just very primal. I mean, we we kind of guessed this almost, seeing how the zombies reacted, and the whole you have to destroy the brain thing that they always use in these movies and uh i noticed during the scene when he's explaining the whole brain aspect to it and how you have to destroy the brain he had he had a zombie and he had it pinned down and he carved out all around his head except for his brain so it was basically just a brain and a spinal cord and it was still like when he sent electricity through it it was like moving and stuff yeah, and it's still kind of like moving around a bit, and that that effect is awesome. Yeah, it looks it looks really cool mm-hmm. because that is, 
you know, it's it, it just looks really cool. Yeah. It's gross. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And he he talks more about um, the zombies eat more off instinct because he took a zombie, opened up its stomach, and cut all of the organs and you know all like all the like the stomach, the lungs, all this stuff. Yeah. And the zombie was still alive, and it leads to one of the best scenes. Or yeah, because he, he, yeah, he explains about how. They don't need any nourishment, but they still want to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he's got no stomach. Mm-hmm. He can't process any of this. Well, why? Why are they doing it? So as it turns out, that zombie, if the one that's just a brain, is actually Cooper. Mm-hmm. We never still don't find out what he's doing there. He's yeah. just there. Cause mm-hmm. Sarah notices the jacket. And she thinks that... His tests, Dr. Frankenstein's tests, they're too risky. It's just not even worth doing because it's a whole lot of person-to-person, person-to-zombie contact mm-hmm. with this. And, you know, cutting them up and poking around. I mean, you got to question, is he really making any progress at this point? Or is he just fiddling with them mm-hmm. and doing weird stuff? Yeah. And as they're talking, the zombie with its stomach uh, pulled open with all these pins and stuff that I, we talked about with the yeah, organs cut. And... Yeah, yeah. It breaks out of its restraints and it slowly moves forward and it leans um, off the bed and all of its guts spill out onto the floor. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Frankenstein takes a drill, like a medical drill, and just drills into its head and it, you know, of course dies. And, um,. Sarah's just freaked out. I mean, you just—I mean, who wouldn't? That's pretty right. Gross. And 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 in the background, you can see Bub. Mm-hmm. Bub is clearly upset. Yeah. By this situation. Oh, Bub. More on that later. Can we get a Bub? I want a Bub. I don't think we can have a Bub. Mm-hmm. There's actually a there's a there's a movie uh, Fido set in this like weird. 50s-esque time period where you could get they had domesticated zombies Hmm. and they had to wear these collars and this kid has one that you know basically it's like the family pet that'd be awesome it's a pretty fun movie we should watch that one sometime yeah you'll get a kick out of it so tensions are running high weird things are going on in this facility and just being locked up, like I said before, is getting to everybody. And enter Rhodes, who's clearly got no respect for Sarah. And he even says at one point that he'd have her shot. And I mean, to the point where everybody's kind of pulling guns on each other mm-hmm. in this situation. Because he comes in and sees what's going on in this lab. Yeah. He's not cool with it because, yeah, I mean, it's pretty messed up what's going on in there. And, you know, everybody's, like, drawing guns on each other at this point. He even threatens steel, you know, his own guy. Mm-hmm. And even he says, we're going to kill all the zombies that we got locked up, and we're going to get out of here, and the hell with you guys, basically. Yeah. That's what he wants. He's had enough of all this science BS and 
having to deal with basically babysitting these scientists to make sure that they don't get eaten. And, you know, he's lost some men. They're clearly upset. I think everybody's upset, but they're they're more upset because they, they're kind of blaming the scientists in a way for what's going on. Yeah. And Dr. Frankenstein tells him, he's like, hey, he's like, do you really think you got enough bullets? Do you think you can survive out there? Yeah. It was a pretty fun scene where the scientist nerd is talking up the jock and the jock's like the, doing the, (laughs) (laughs) you were trying to muffle that. Oh, there's no way that was happening. I've eaten, this is a, this is my yearly Taco Bell outing. (laughs) For the last two years, I've only eaten Taco Bell once a year and. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein reveals his idea about domesticating the zombies. Sarah counterbalances with that because she's not that type of scientist. Mm-hmm. And she discusses more about how she thinks that maybe there's a possible way to just reverse this plague. Mm-hmm. You know, that maybe there's a cure. And they get into about how they're cut off. Uh, they haven't had contact with um, Washington in a while even. And they just want more time. They just say, just give us more time. We can figure this out. And Rhodes tells them he'll give them more time, but he is not effing around. So Jamaican John warns Sarah that Rhodes doesn't see the scientists of serving any purpose. They're just not going to do any good. And they're no use to him. He wants to go out. He wants to survive. He doesn't need them. They're just eating his supplies, everything else. So then it cuts to Sarah has nightmare number two, where she sees Miguel in the bed, leaning over with all the clamps and everything on him. And then his guts spill out all over the floor. Yay, we get to see that effect twice. Yes, gut spilling effect twice. And it's just as nice. (laughs) <laughs> when you see it twice. Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> so after she wakes up, she ends up getting in a tiff with Miguel. And she kicks him out. Because he's still just cracking up all over the place. And as then it shows like uh, she's going down the hallway. And even army dudes are getting in fights with each other. As the door busts open. And these guys just come tumbling out. Just fighting and wrestling. Yeah. Bunch of meatheads just slapping <laughs> each other. <laughs> it reminds me of like when I was a kid. Just getting in a fight with my cousins or whatever. And just rolling around. Just beating on each other. Yeah. Oh man. I can relate. yeah so mr bean and jamaican john uh, they have this oasis called the ritz i guess you could call it an oasis it's it's basically a trailer in one of the tunnels and it's got an outside patio area that they made (laughs) and you know there's a lot of items there that they probably picked up on their adventures traveling outside of the base and they're just hanging out, having some drinks. Yeah, it's like kind of like a mock beach that they have set up. Like it's some lawn chairs, a patio. Yeah. I think they I think they had like a picture of some sort of a beach 
maybe like a painting or something. Yeah. Just, uh, so you get to see like these these pilots, the helicopter guys, they're hanging out, and they got it kind of cushy. Mm-hmm. Like they've made it, they're just making it work for them. They're kind of away from everybody else, so they're not getting wrapped up in any of the BS. Because Jamaican John, he was a pretty laid back dude. Yeah, you know he's the one using some of that weed. Yeah, he's probably a smoking some of that weed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, it's a lawless land. Yeah. You know, they got it pretty easy because of their usefulness. And uh, Jamaica John suggests that everybody's wasting their time. And it should be more about living and surviving. And like you said. Living out the rest of their days. Yeah, just living out the rest of their days. You just start over and forget the past, you know. And, hey, maybe they're being punished by some creator. Maybe humans got too big for their britches. Trying to figure out. All his stuff out. Is that a that's, quote? No, that's loosely paraphrased. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't have the most extensive of notes. <laughs> hey, this is a first go around, so cut me some slack, boy. Oh, don't hit your dad. <laughs> Living with this kid, I'm telling you. Nowadays, you can't beat him, but they can beat you, I guess. <laughs> Elder abuse. <laughs> Nothing's funnier. Maybe I'll get payback by throwing one of them in the oven. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. <laughs> so, back to Dr. Frankenstein. He starts talking about, you know, how they are us. That's another theme. Mm-hmm. The whole theme, basically, of all these movies, really. They yeah. are us. Mm-hmm. And he is discussing about how... The dead will respond better if they receive rewards for good behavior. And he kind of talks to them like a parent. You know, in that way of like, well, fine, you know, if you're not going to behave, then... Yeah, and he shuts off the lights and he's like, you stay on here and you think about what you did. That was mean. (laughs) And it's like, you know what, zombies, I can totally relate. (laughs) Oh, come on. I'm not that kind of parent. Yeah. Do I really do that? No, no. You just beat me with the yards. <laughs> no, no. There is no child abuse going on in this house. Yeah, please do not call Child Protective Services. I'm fine. Oh, we might have to cut that out. <laughs> all together. All the child abuse jokes are out of this podcast. So we kind of find out that... We find out Bub is actually named Bub at this point. Mm -hmm. And Bub is named after Doc and Frankenstein's father. And he offers up a couple of things to Bub in this experiment or test that he's doing. And he has a copy of Salem's Lot by Stephen King on paperback. Should have been Misery. That one's a bit better. Well, I haven't read the other one, but Misery's good. Yeah, you should just read more Stephen King in general. Yeah. By the time I was your age, I was burdened through King, like, no tomorrow. Yeah, I've been wanting to get into King more. Good times. Anywho. Anyways. Oh, he also gives him uh, uh, a toothbrush. A toothbrush and a shave. A razor. Razor. 
shave. A shave. He gives them a shave. No. Yeah. <laughs> he gives them a razor. <laughs> and for shaving. Yes. And uh, he he picks up the shave, and uh, <laughs> and he picks up the razor and he proceeds to start to shave himself. And it's a pretty fun scene where he just cuts himself instead of actually There's little, little bits of bub coming off. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> it probably got picked up. Hang on a sec. I gotta cut one here. Taco Bell. That's good. And that's not gonna be in the final edit. <laughs> you need to just save that audio clip. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell! Give me some Taco Bell! Gonna give me an indigestion! Lots of diarrhea! Bob also shows some interest in the book. Mm-hmm. Kind of picks it up, thumps through it, almost attempts to read it, mm-hmm. I guess, or like he kind of understands what these objects yeah, like once meant. You you put this against phase and you rub on it or you take this and you open it up and you look at it. Like he he can't actually read it, but he knows to to open it up and look at it. Yeah. And and Bub's not showing any signs of aggression. Towards Dr. Frankenstein. No, he's completely ign- ign- I mean, he's still chained up to the wall and everything, but he's he's pretty docile. Mm-hmm. He's pretty chill. Yeah, Bob seems like a guy that he could just hang out with. And Rhodes comes in, a resident butthead, <laughs> an all-around nasty fellow. Dr. Frankenstein gives Bub a phone, and it, he t- keeps telling Bub to say hello to Aunt Felicia. And he... <laughs> He's like, ahoy! <laughs> so then, Bob takes notice of Rhodes and salutes him. And he is, Rhodes is not impressed. Not at all. Not at all. Because uh, Dr. Frankenstein is like, hey, salute him back. <laughs> and Rhodes is not having any of it. Dr. Frankenstein suggests, like, hey, give me an empty weapon. Take all the bolts out of it. Let's see what he does, because he must have been a soldier at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And gets a pistol, and Rhodes isn't cool with it, but Dr. Frankenstein explains. He's like, hey, you saw me take all the bullets out. There's nothing in here. See what he does. Gives the Bub the gun. Bub cocks it. Mm-hmm. And, and ta- just... <laughs> takes a firing and, stance. And he points it. Directly at Rhodes, and he is double not cool with it because he pulls the trigger. <laughs> yeah, and Rhodes is just like, you call this progress? Yeah, great. You you taught it how to shoot a gun at me. Now, now if one of them knows how to use a gun. Yeah. How many other ones? How long is it before other ones realize that they can use guns? That would be bad. I'm sure that's what he's thinking. And that would definitely be bad. You don't want a cl- uh, zombie zombie clown going around beating people with balloon animals. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're back at the pen. And they're corralling some more zombies. 
And this time, well, Miguel's there, and mm-hmm. Steel threatens him. He's like, oh, you better not screw up this time. Mm-hmm. That's not his voice, but maybe it is. Just do a bender impression, and you'll nail no, it. No, I don't have a bender impression. So Miguel is wrangling, corralling one of the zombies. The, the neck brace on the end of the pole just splits open. This zombie gets loose. It bites one of the miscellaneous soldiers that are helping him at the time. We'll call him Dead Meat. <laughs> so dead bites Dead Meat in the neck, and that guy ends up shooting two other guys with his gun as he freaks out and just blows them away. Mm-hmm. Two of the other Dead Meat soldiers. Yeah. Sarah dispatches of that zombie, and then Steel, yet again, loses his crap on Miguel. And Miguel's telling him, like, hey, this isn't even my fault this time. So as they're arguing, the second zombie comes around and ends up biting Miguel on the arm. And then Steel shoots that zombie and ends up going over to Dead Meat, throat bite guy, and proceeds to shoot him in the head. Well, I mean, obviously he's suffering. He's bleeding a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's just squirting all over the place. That deck bite was awesome. Yeah. It looked really good. And, you know, he's just... Kind of, you can kind of see a little remorse on Steel. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a little more upset about the situation. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility, but I thought the actor kind of portrayed a little bit of remorse. I don't know. Maybe they had some good time smoking some doobies earlier. Who knows? Yeah, she takes she takes Miguel back to the Ritz and performs an amputation with a machete. And that was awesome as well. Because mm-hmm. then- it didn't seem like, it wasn't like in some movies where that thing just cuts right through. No. It took some, it took some work. Yeah, as it as it would, and then um, Jamaica and Jamaican Joe and Evil Jamaican John Jamaican John, sorry, Jamaican John and Evil Mister Bean. Uh, I mean, totally, they they didn't see the situation go down, but all they saw was Sarah chopping off Miguel's arms. They're like, okay, and uh, uh, <laughs> drunk, drunk Evil Mister Bean uses some of his alcohol in his flask along with a uh, stick with some cloth around it to start burning Yeah, they, they make a torch. Mm-hmm. And Sarah then cauterizes the wound. And um, beforehand, Miguel was knocked out with a rock, too, so this wouldn't hurt so much. And he, unthankfully, wakes up during the uh, cauterization of his wound, which was not too great for him, I bet. Well, I think that would wake anybody up out of a dead sleep. No pun intended. (sighs) Okay, so at this time, Rhodes and some of the other military guys show up to confront Sarah. And they want Miguel dead. And Sarah says, hey, if he ends up turning, I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. Just let me take care of him. I amputated it. It's cauterized. He's not going to turn. I got it in time. Yeah. So Rhodes then proclaims that he's he's planning on going through with his plan, killing all those penned zombies, and hightailing it out. Sarah wants none of this. She has her own little bit of a meltdown. And Drunk Mr. Bean and Sarah go to get morphine from the lab. Drunk Mr. Bean ends up playing a tape that uh, Dr. Frankenstein had laying around and it proceeds to get a little weird at this point where Dr. Frankenstein is on the tape and he's talking to his mother about dealing with the dead. Creepy. Yeah. 
clearly, if you haven't figured it out at this point, with his odd behavior and everything, he's off his rocker. Yeah, the the train left the station a long time ago for him. Yeah, it's official. He's a nut job. So while they're in the lab, after hearing him with this tape, they end up finding a head of one of the soldiers that's hooked up to some stuff. It's just kind of hanging out, like... It's just a head, head. too. It's just a head. Just a head. Which I think, because I've watched some media, per se, of zombie stuff, and it's like, people just going around lobbing off the zombies' heads, but it's, you have to destroy the brain, it isn't severing it from the neck. Like, uh, it has to hit the brain. Yeah, and drunk Mr. Bean, he's like, they take, he takes a look at that, and he's like, yeah, we need to get out of here. Yeah, like, I think it's time to, time to goo. Yeah, clearly time is up. The situation is totally going down the tubes. Better to get out alive than who knows what. There's probably a fate worse than death if they stick around. That is for sure. So we go back and Dr. Frankenstein is having another test with Bub. Put some headphones on him. Starts playing some music. And what, you know what? Bub likes music. Should play some metal for him. Maybe he'll like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he learns about playing music because dr frankenstein stops it of course on a walkman who isn't isn't no i no that's more like this more like a tape recorder oh, back in the day I, I didn't really notice but you know yeah it's i'll show you a picture of one sometime <laughs> still <laughs> refresh your memory back in the day it's still like an artifact yeah well maybe for you that would be because in my day Back in my day, we didn't have these fancy iPhones. Hey, if we had them, we would have been on them all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we find out that through Bub figuring this out, Bub gets rewarded. And wouldn't you know it, the reward is people. Uh, we didn't see that coming. But it's still it's still like a big, big moment because it's... It's it's something that really morally shakes up the characters. I mean, all of them. I think all of them understand, like, whoa, you can't be rewarding them with human flesh. Yeah, so you have this brains versus brawn situation. And I guess it's a little more like these relaxed, everyday people and rough and tumble, mainly military guys, and then a complete nut job. Yeah. With mommy issues. Rhodes comes in. He finds this out. He is totally not digging this situation, especially after they find soldier bodies in the in the fridge that are all hacked up. He's not cool with this, and he ends up blasting Dr. Frankenstein. It is a squib-o-rama. Rhodes decides he wants to disarm the entire crew of your civilians, I guess. You could call them that, scientists. This is not good. And they find out, according to his plan, not everyone is going. There's no room in the helicopter either. There's that. Just his men and the pilots. So so then the, the military guys, they take our crew over to the pen. But only the pilot is going with the military. And Jamaican John, he refuses. And this is where Rhodes kind of he's got some racial slurs. He throws out. Yeah, it makes sense. Thus solidifying his you not rooting for him yeah. at this point. Because, hey, everybody out there, racism is not cool. Yeah. Whoever told you that it was, was wrong. 
Drunk Mr. Bean and Sarah have to run into the tunnels filled with zombies. They're forced to. Yeah. Well, who knows how many are in there, too? Mm -hmm. They weren't keeping track. Yeah, they weren't keeping track. They mentioned 15 earlier, so there's there could be more. There could be less. There's yeah. probably more. Probably more. So they go into the tunnels, and in order to convince the pilot that he's going with Rhodes, they rough him up a bit. By a bit, they kind of beat the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you know it? During this situation, all of a sudden an alarm starts going off. It's the elevator. And wouldn't you know it? Hey, nobody was paying attention to Miguel. Miguel is now riding down the big elevator that is used to get down to the underground area of the facility. And it's filled with all the zombies from outside. This is including like a bride zombie, a clown zombie. We have to get back to that. That doesn't quite happen yet. Sorry. Chop, 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 chop. Chop, chop, chop. So wouldn't you know it, Miguel snuck off. Then also around the same time, Bub ends up chewing through his chain, I guess. Yeah, I don't really know how that worked. Kind of unclear. I don't think you could really chew through a chain, but he gets loose. Mythbusters. Yeah. We're going to sit here. Let's bring Mythbusters back. Let's find out if somebody can chew through a chain. Yeah. But anyway, he, so he, he chews through and... Bub is unleashed. And he's walking around and... So back in the tunnels, okay. zombies attack. And we get some really good shovel fun. Mm-hmm. They're hitting zombies with a shovel. And one of my favorite zombie kills in this entire movie, uh, Drunk Mr. Bean, who sadly ran out of whatever alcohol, um, proceeds to... Stick the uh, shovel part of the shovel into a zombie's mouth and drives it all the way through and then scoops up and launches the top of the zombie's head, which you see is still looking around. Yes. Later on, it's like it's it's sitting upside down and it's mm-hmm. looking around. Mm-hmm. Because That's... its brain wasn't destroyed. Yep. That is fun. Mm-hmm. Tell all your kids, watch this movie. See a zombie. With its head cut open, laying upside down, with its eyes still moving. Who doesn't like a good shovel? Shink. We got Jamaican John, and he ends up knocking out Rhodes in their scuffle. And he takes him out and decides to also take Rhodes' pistols. Which are massive. Yeah, they're pretty burly. He also takes uh, some machine guns. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts back to... Steel and Rickles cuts back to Steel and Rickles, and they find out that the elevator is broken from the inside, and only the controls on top would work. And they start to argue about if one of them can fix it, and clearly they can't. They're just walking sausages. Walking sausages. Did he get a little more tunnel escape action? Just kind of running around. Jamaican Johns is kind of. Popping off a few zombies here and there. Mm-hmm. Discarding guns once they're out of ammo. Terrible idea. I'll tell you what. I'd rather have an empty gun with the hope of finding some bullets. Hey, you can always beat zombies over the head with the blunt end of the Yeah, gun. no doubt. Just brain one of them. Yeah. Dunk. Right across the head. This is the part where Miguel uses the controls after opening the gate and letting all the zombies in. 
he's standing there and he is, you know, praying or whatever, and he sits there with all the zombies on the lift and lowers the lift down to the underground section of the facility. And of course, there's a plethora of different zombies. Yeah. There's a bride zombie. There's a clown zombie. There always seems to be a clown zombie. But let's talk about this for a second here. Okay. What are the chances that there's a clown working? I mean, still, clowns clowns are on the decline. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure the actual statistics of clowns working in the United States, but I'm pretty sure it's a low number. So, first, you got somebody, A, hired a clown, B, happens during the zombie apocalypse, C, that clown then gets infected, and D, somehow ends up at this facility. Chances, really low. Well, you know, you're, you're very susceptible to a zombie attack when you're clowning around. <laughs> <laughs> okay that was terrible that was a bad joke but honestly that zombie clown is no laughing matter um you ain't lived till you've seen (laughs) i was driving down the uh highway in minneapolis once and looked out the window and in the car next to us there was a clown (laughs) just driving down the highway weird they're out there they're not just hanging out in haunted houses being creepy Or under your bed. Or in your closet. Or in your window. Tapping on your window at night. Or in some sewer grates staring at some kids. What am I doing? I'm I'm sleeping on the second floor. There's a clown tapping at my window. I got school in the morning. I'm not going to be able to sleep. (laughs) Stupid clouds. Throws rocks at the window. Pink, get out of here, clown. Nobody (laughs) likes you here. So anyway. Anyways, back to the action. He lets all the dead inside. Rhodes ditches his... (laughs) We gotta talk about this part too. So Rhodes ditches uh, Steel and Rickles by hopping (laughs) on a golf cart and taking off at a speed at which they could probably speed walk and catch up. The go-karts look like fun, but he, it's really funny because Steel and and um, Steel and Rickles, yeah, Rickles, they're like, hey, where are you going? Yeah, and, they totally give up, like, he just peeled out. And, and he's, like, doing, like, the nervous, like, looking behind him and stuff, like, oh, gotta get out of here and fast escape, and it's, like, <laughs> slowly making its way across. <laughs> I mean, it's faster than a zombie. Yeah, it's, a, it's an okay, I guess. He ends up hitting a zombie, too, with it, which is hilarious, because the zombie actually topples over. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like it's something uh, like a, they would you would see in a, a UHF or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I don't know if that was intentionally supposed to be humorous. I don't think so. But. It was great. Oh, it, gets, it just gets me laughing. <laughs> We turn to Bob, who ends up finding Dr. Frankenstein. And without saying anything, Bob was like, Hey, look what I did. He's Show him the, the chain. chain. Yeah. yeah, he's like, hey, look what I did. But then he realizes that Dr. Frankenstein is dead. 
And he gets all emotional. And it's honestly sad. I like Bub. Bub is the secret protagonist of this movie. Well, his motivation is still human flesh. Yeah, but, I mean, it isn't. It's but then, cause. But then, oh, look, look, Bub. Guns! Yeah, there's a bunch of guns laying on the floor when they, yeah, they took up all the guns mm-hmm. away from the civilian scientists. So we got a good idea where this is going to go. So we got zombies inside. And we got go-karts and we got slow movements. And this is where the special effects, this is kind of where it all kind of bubbles up. And this is where you're going to be rewarded because there's a lot of people out there who find this movie dull I didn't. and boring. I did not. I'm one of those people. When I was younger, I thought this was the weakest of all of them because there wasn't enough action for me. I think it's one of the strongest. I don't know. After going back to that uh, director's cut of Dawn of the Dead, that thing's eight hours long, and most of it's people hanging out. Yeah. I still really like that movie, too. And I'm not dissing that movie. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) The director's cut has a lot of downtime in it. But it's good. It's character building. This, not so much. But you get an idea of what everybody's motivations are. Anyways. So... Enter uh, another dead meat military guy. He enters the room. And this guy gets his whole head ripped off. Yeah, it does this weird thing where he's like screaming as he's getting his head ripped off by the zombies. And it goes really high-pitched at the end. I'm Hey, it just sounds weird, but that could actually be a thing. I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> it. It just came off as like, they were... I get where they were going, where his voice would change as he's getting his head ripped off. And it's it's a really cool effect, too. Because, you know, it's like all the flesh stretching out and ripping and whatnot. Good yeah. effect. Um, but I just... I didn't like the squeal. It was weird. Yeah. Well, besides that, it's a really cool effect. Mm-hmm. And it, going back to my day of... Back in my day. Watching it for the first time on Granny messed up vhs it blew my mind i had and i i I was definitely into effects and everything back in the day and really had a strong interest in it and had even considered that maybe i should learn that art because i was that much into it and i couldn't figure that out it blew my mind how did they do that it's a whole lot of things it has to deal with uh people laying down oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. floor panels mm-hmm. so like the head is actually yeah yeah so that's a that's a that's a fun scene that really starts the whole okay here's where the gore's gonna start to come into play yeah because now every the poop is hitting the fan and things are going to get crazy um then we have mr rickles and he gets attacked by zombies, and they rip off a chunk of his face. And there's so many zombies at this point. Yeah. And also, let's not forget that soundtrack, because there's some pretty crazy wicked guitar riffs. Um, and he, also to note, he's laughing the entire time. Like, he's having fun with this. Yeah, until, he's pretty giggly the entire movie. Yeah, until he, you know, starts to get eaten. Yeah. So then, we now we have Bub versus Steel, and the other zombies get to him first, and they proceed to bite him in the neck, and Steel's like, nope, enough <laughs> of this, 
takes his own life. Mm-hmm. Which that's a pretty that's a pretty hard that's probably pretty intense. I don't know what did you. I mean, we really haven't reflected a whole lot so far on what you think as a kid. I mean, other than these effects being cool, but this effect in particular. I mean, I don't know how many headshots you've seen or suicides portrayed in movies. Not many. Not many. It's it. And if the, if they did, they would always like cut away and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it would almost just imply what happened. Like in uh, the Sixth Sense, when it's like the kid and he's like, "Hey, do you want to go check out my dad's gun?" And he turns around, and it's, like the whole back of his head missing. Yeah, you never really get to see. Usually, you get to see the after effects or cuts away. Yeah, you're right. This one is full on. You're seeing it. Yeah, so it can be pretty intense. I remember the. It it is probably what I would find to be the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Yeah, I'm not one on that type yeah. thing. Yeah, but I mean, you're not messed up or anything. Are you? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your mom. Anywho, more tunnel fun as Sarah, drunk Mr. Bean, and Jamaican John. Not Jamaican Joe. Not Jamaican Joe. Um, they blast their way and they get to a ladder. They start climbing up the ladder. It's a big ladder. Yeah. I'll just be like this. Zambi coming up, grabbing on Jamaican John's leg. He's then, like, oh no, he's not going to make it. Uh, drunk Mr. Bean. For the headshot, the 360. With the headshot. Watch that kill cam. Pretty cool. And you're feeling pretty good for our heroes. Going for going for that five kill streak. Yeah. It's probably more than five. Yeah, he's he's really racking it up. Yeah. Not bad for a Sarah, guy. Sarah is getting some kills, but drunk Mr. Bean for most likely being drunk. Yeah, well, let's talk about Sarah for a little bit. Mm-hmm, because... I'm trying cause... to a close here. And mm-hmm. um, I'd have to say... Um, for 1985, uh, she's not really portrayed, as most women were, as uh, a sex object. Mm-hmm. She's not running around. I mean, granted, she's a very attractive woman. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's not... She doesn't have massive cleavage or anything like that. Yeah, and she's smart. Mm-hmm. She's but... intelligent. She's really smart, actually. Yeah, well, she is a scientist. Yeah, that's what scientists are. They're smart. And that's the one thing, too, in in all of Romero's zombie movies is that um, there's a lot of stereotypes that end up kind of just not really getting played into. Night of the Living Dead, in the original, Barbara is just has a meltdown, which um, that could be viewed. But it's more of just her character, in a way. Yeah. I mean, anybody's capable of having a meltdown. Hey, look at Miguel. Yeah. And, you know, I don't ever really think of you know any of his main characters ever being you know playing into too much of a stereotype when it comes to women it it doesn't really matter in a zombie apocalypse right it's all about people and you know the fact that these military guys you you could go on and say well that's a trope into itself is the military guys you know end up always end up being jerks yeah which isn't always the case. Most of it the is time an unfortunate. It is an unfortunate trope that's kind of um, it does get brought up a lot. It, it's overused. But anyway, back to Sarah. Back to Sarah. Yeah, I mean she's a strong, she's a strong, smart woman, mm-hmm. and I think that's 
really good to have in a movie, especially at that time. And she she is one of the most put-together characters throughout this entire movie. I mean, obviously she has her little... Yeah, she has that little meltdown, but, but I mean, at that at that point, I mean, she just had to chop off Miguel's arm. Yeah. And yeah. they kind of had... it allude, They allude to that they had a thing going on with each other, so... And I think anybody in that situation would have a meltdown. Yeah. Sometimes you just have enough. You need to just have a little meltdown, you know. <laughs> Maybe you put yourself on a timeout because stuff's falling on you in the garage and you just got to go sit in your bedroom for 10 minutes, you know? You get over it. That's, you come out. That's not, that's not alluding to any other event that happened. Not, not in this movie, but definitely. Definitely a, um, not a real life story at all? Nope. The, nope. <laughs> no, not at all. That's, I never do that. Nope. Especially when crap keeps falling on me in the garage. Rawr! Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Let me check my notes here. So we got Bub. We've got Rhodes. Yeah. Oh, no. Actually, that's a, that's a no. Bub's got a gun. Yay. Bub manages to get a couple of shots in on Rhodes. Ah. Rhodes, not cool with this situation. Yeah, he... He's Injured really bad. Yeah, he's like leaning against the wall and he's... What was he screaming? But he's egging on Bob. He's, you know, like, come on, do it. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. He's mm-hmm. just kind of egging him on. And he's trying to get away. And he opens the door to where there's a whole horde of dead surprise on the other side. Yay. Bob gets him one more time with the gun in the gut. Then Rhodes proceeds to collapse into the horde of zombies. As Bub salutes him, which way to go, Bub. That's why. That's why everybody loves you. Bub yeah. is the hero. Yeah. In he, a way, I he's said, a man he, of action. He's the protagonist. He's a dead man of action. So another awesome effect. Yeah, this is one of the best effects in yeah. the movie. And no, one. All these people getting tore up and stuff in this movie on that grainy VHS tape back in the day. I thought, did they actually just tear a dude in half? I haven't seen him in any other movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But he's still around. That actor is alive and well. And he gets plenty of work. He does a lot of voice work on uh, video games and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, but he he gets ripped in half and... uh, uh yeah. Yeah, he he he's screaming as the zombies are eating him. They he's screaming choke on him. <laughs> referring I'm guessing to his own uh uh you know, his own body parts getting eaten. So he's just like choke on him. I'm dying. And then the zombies They've eaten through most of his stomach, and some of the zombies, he's, he's getting ripped in half, basically. Um, which... Yeah. yeah, they drag his legs off. I remember when I was younger, you showed me the clip of him being ripped in half, because we were talking about practical effects and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I That, that blew my mind. It still kind of blows my mind, because they pulled off that effect super well. Yeah, I mean, it, it does it does look really good. There's no doubt about that. And um, that's one thing, too, with, uh, you know, a lot of practical effects and everything. Tend to hold up. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and sometimes, yeah, they might look a little rubbery or whatever, but some, like, some of these effects are still to this day. I mean, what are we looking at, 31 years later? Yeah. Still look good. That's the thing about CGI is, like, Jurassic Park, as good as the effects are, and those were really good effects for the time. If you go back and look at that movie now, it's like, oh, yeah, those effects are, like, they're, they're good for the time. Don't get me wrong. Those are really good and for the time. And they still look good. They, but they don't, like, um... They hold up way better than a lot of other movies. Yeah, yeah. But, like, uh... And I hate to bring this up. Uh, Zilla, or Godzilla as it's known here, um, in 1998, that was... That effect is so bad. That's the thing about practical effects versus CGI, is that things just look better if they're on this like on on camera and i get blue screens and green screens like that because you can't always have a big set or location but i don't know i i'd rather i'd rather have practical effects like um blade blade one had really good uh like uh cinematography and uh, gymnastic type things involved in it where he's he's doing all these amazing stunts but when it's the second movie comes around he's kind of like cgi and rubbery and he's oh yeah yeah, yeah. where they wanted him to do more more crazy things so yeah that's definitely a fail so <laughs> but a lot of effects in blade do not hold up but okay. we're not here to discuss blade yeah that might be for a different time but my point <laughs> is that practical effects are usually i mean some things just need to be cgi but practical yeah. effects are just so good well that's that's another motivator for us doing this too though is that uh there's there's a misconception out there i think that a lot of people have that the reason why there is so much cg in movies is because because of you know a lot of people think like oh those hard kids well i wouldn't even say so much misconception as it is almost true there are a lot of kids, and I'm sad to say it. Well, I'm a preteen. You are I'm a, a teen. Yeah, I'm a teen. I don't know. I don't know anymore, Dad. Um, but I mean, it isn't really a misconception, and I hate to say this, but yeah, a lot of teens and kids and stuff, they're like, man, I wanna, I wanna see CGI instead, and I think it's, it's a terrible thing. So I'm kind of here to show that not everybody's bad. Yeah. Oh, you uh, you kids uh, Snapchat to each other? Did you do your face page that about the about the CGI? Do you? And there's always that one kid <laughs> who's just like Transformers are the best, and you're like, oh yeah, Transformers are the best, and then they go, yeah, Transformers Four is my favorite. Oh, okay. And <laughs> on, on that sour note of garbage. Let's carry on. Let's wrap carry this up. Carry on my way. Where it's on. Little be peace when you're done. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up because we're almost done here. So, what we get after Bub and the other zombies finish roads off, we get a zombie munch montage where they now roam the facility. The pen ends up getting closed by the zombies. Oops. And... Our crew of heroes, Sarah, Jamaican John, and Drunk Mr. Bean, they run to the chopper. You do the chopper. 
Sarah gets nabbed by a zombie. But doesn't die. Nightmare fake out number three. I, I didn't really get this one, though, because what actually happened? Because it's them, and they're getting up, and they're like, okay, we're running. They open up the helicopter door, and a hand comes out and grabs her. And then she yeah. wakes up, and... They're, they're on an island. They're on the island, and it's Jamaican Joe, drunken Mr. John, Bean. Jamaican John. Jamaican John. God. <laughs> um, and then they're just chilling on the beach, like they always said they wanted to do. And um, But I never got this, because, yeah, it was just a nightmare, but then what really happened? Was there not a zombie in there? Or did they just fly away all anticlimactically? Just a nightmare. They're on the island. What if they were on the island the entire time? Whoa. <laughs> oh, dude. No, so that's that's it. That's the end of the movie. That is Day of the Dead. They end up just hanging out on that island living. Yep. I think one of they... them dies from some infection, eats the other during the sleep, and one of them just has to live off its stays yelling Wilson at a volleyball. <laughs> well we'll just go with that one there brennan and um yeah well that's that's been the podcast corrupted youth um you can reach us if you want to leave any type of feedback or anything we are at corrupted youth pod at gmail.com and i'd also like to give a special shout out to my good friends the corp show creeps for providing us with the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the podcast um they're fantastic guys not together anymore but man they're fantastic so yeah on behalf of brennan and i that's that's it that's all we got and uh we hope to do this some more in the future so hang in there and keep listening thank you